2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested to, in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me again back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And as you turn there, I want to bring greetings to you from what I hope you would consider a sister church up the road in Roanoke, Trinity Reformed Baptist Church. It has been a joy of mine to have gotten to know Pastor Anthony for a number of years. I used to pastor in Blacksburg and We've stayed in touch through that time and now uh, pastoring churches only about an hour, 15, 20 minutes away. It's been a joy to get to know him and of course now as well your other, your other two elders, Luke and Sean. It's a delight to have some time with them in prayer over the last year or so that we've had as we've gotten together and, and sought the Lord together, the work of the kingdom. And this is what we are about in our churches is to uh, bring about the work of the kingdom for the glory of God. And so we continue to pray for you all. Uh, we pray for your pastors. We pray for you. And certainly we would covet your prayers for our church as well there in Roanoke. Uh, with that, brethren, I'd like to again read the, my text to you this morning, which is, as has been mentioned, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, 17, and 18. So here again is I reading here from the New King James Version, but I think it's very close to what you will have there in front of you. Hear now the word of the Lord. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Again, brethren, this is the word of the Lord. Let us go to him together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege, the very high and lofty privilege we have as your people to sit under the preaching of your word. We pray, our God, that it would be received as the Thessalonians received it, as it is indeed the word of God, that you would bring illumination to our hearts, to our minds. And as has been prayed, that, Lord, you will help us to put it into practice, that you would apply it to our hearts and in our daily lives. We might become more and more like our blessed Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. I expect many of you are very familiar with this text of Scripture. It is one of the very first set of verses that I remember memorizing uh, probably 25, more than 25 years ago now. And I think the reason I like it so much is because it is so clear about the real big picture of the Christian life, one that we dare not ignore. Without this verse and similar verses like it, many a Christian, perhaps may have ended up like pliable in Pilgrim's Progress. The first time they fall into the the, uh, (laughs) slew of despond, they may well have gone back into the world and never have looked back. Now we know the Lord does indeed allow us as his people sometimes to have some peaceful seasons. Every now and again, we get a few mountaintop experiences in the Christian life. But the reality is that the Christian life is often filled with trials and tribulations. The scripture, I believe, teaches this over and over again and makes this whole idea of a Christian living their best life now pure heresy and ought to be considered as such. For here now, many of the verses that I'm referring to, Acts 14, 22, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of heaven. Paul said to Timothy in his second epistle, Chapter 3 and 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Our Lord's own words in Mark chapter 8 and 34, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That was no wooden cross we would carry around. It is a a life of suffering. 1 Peter 4, Peter says it this way in verse 12, beloved, do not think it strange Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. And one more from the Apostle Paul, Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. On top of the suffering as a child of God, there is also the suffering of living in a fallen world, particularly the ongoing decay of our earthly bodies. Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Getting old, as they say, is not for the faint of heart. 
And then Moses' psalm, Psalm 90 and 10, the days of our lives are 70, and if by reason of strength they are 80, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. The last part concerning the decaying of our earthly bodies is no doubt primary in Paul's thoughts as he writes these verses to us and for us. And no doubt a sermon such as this will probably have less effect on you, dear brethren, who are still in your youthful days. But it is information that you will want to recall later in life. For those of us who are perhaps past our days of youth, we are keenly aware of the weaknesses of our current bodies. I'm getting to the point where I'm getting where I'm thinking about maybe just staying seated when the pastor says, let's stand again and sing another song. Because I have to stand up here for an hour to preach and I'm trying to save my, the pain in my back, but such as it is. Yet for all that we must go through, brethren, to prepare to cross the river of death. Paul tells us here in our passage that it is all a light affliction. Now, brethren, I don't know about you, but if I were to compare my life with the Apostle Paul, I might indeed agree with him. That compared to my life, our lives, my life is indeed a light affliction indeed. We've already read in this chapter some of his struggles. But he, he writes of them many other places. And for, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 4, 11, to the present hour, he says, we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, defamed we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. But as greatly afflicted they are, they are and he is in that text. Let's look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You have your Bibles. You're in 2 Corinthians already, but just scroll over to chapter 11. And pick up with me in verse 23. We'll read down to verse 28. Paul says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. For the Jews, five times I have received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. In verse 28, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. His afflictions were not only from without, but were from within. Now compared to Paul, my life might well be called a light affliction. But brethren, Paul speaks back in our text in 2 Corinthians 4 in the first person plural. These are our light afflictions. And sooner or later, each of us will have our measure of them in this life. Indeed, none of us will know what a day will bring forth. So one of the most important spiritual lessons we can learn as Christians is the one that Paul teaches here in our current text. It is the big picture of the Christian life in many ways. How can the apostle consider all of his Christian trials and afflictions, the certain decaying of his body, light afflictions? 
Well, I believe that we have four answers to this question from our text. And they are just simple ones. But number one is this. Because God is always growing the inner man, even while the outer man is perishing. Notice again verse 16 of chapter 4. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outer man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Man is made up of body and soul. Man is made up of body and soul, and both are corrupted by Adam's sin. Romans 5.12, therefore just as through one man's sin, death came into the world, and death, thus death has spread unto all men. We've already quoted the verse where God says that our days are 70, and by reason of strength, 80 years. But not only our bodies are under the curse of death, but so are our souls. The prophet Ezekiel says that the soul that sinneth shall surely die. And so what man needs is a complete renovation. He needs a resurrection. And that is what Christ provides for sinners. By the merits of his own life, because of his death and his burial and resurrection, a fallen son of Adam can receive a resurrected body and a resurrected soul. This is what makes us Christian. But as we all know, when God saves us and when we're born again by the Spirit of God, we don't get our new bodies at that moment. We don't get our new bodies till the second coming of Christ. But the spirit or soul is regenerated at the moment of our conversion. That's made new at the moment. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23, Peter said, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It is this newly regenerated spirit that, is, that Paul is referring to when he speaks of our inner man. At our new birth, the process of growing and maturing in the image of Christ begins. The incorruptible seed is sprouted, and we will eventually grow into full maturity. Now, brethren, we're not talking here about justification. That occurs the moment we are made alive. We're talking about the process of growing more and more like our Savior, and that is taking place in the inner man while the outer man is decaying. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. John's epistle 3 and 2, he says, Now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The inner man is who you are. It is your spirit within you. And as Christians, as we move toward heaven, that part of us that was made new in Christ continues to be renovated. We're growing in grace. We're learning more and more what it means, brethren, to be the new citizens of the new Jerusalem. This is what we're doing. This is what God's doing in your life now if you're a Christian. And while our inner man is being renewed day by day, the outer man continues to decay. It is making its way back, brethren, to the dust from whence it came. But here we must be careful. Just because the outer man is perishing, this does not mean that we are to give in to the heresy of Gnosticism. The Gnostics taught that all physical matter was evil and that through knowledge one is set free from this material world. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The body, even though it is decaying, is still sacred. 
1 Corinthians 6.19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God? We see how well they treated the burials in the Old Covenant and up to the days of our Lord Jesus as well and the way they handled the body. We must remember that though our bodies will return to dust, it will be that very same dust that God will raise up into a new body on the last day. And so don't take this too far and tell yourself, well, my body is just falling apart anyway. Why should I be worrying about it? No, brethren, we are to keep taking care of our bodies, even though it is going to eventually give out on us. But the main point here is this, that decaying of our body, our physical body, is a light affliction. When you remember that the inner man is not decaying, indeed, the inner man is being renewed day by day. Day by day, heaven becomes more appealing. Because there is more heaven, hopefully, in you than there was yesterday. And as you're walking with the Lord. And as the old song goes, as you turn your eyes upon the Lord Jesus and look full into his wonderful face, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This is why what Paul is saying here has such great meaning to us as older Christians. Particularly those of you who had some measure of experience in your Christian life. And Paul had already had shared some of his own. But as we all get older, we soon discover there is no anchor to be had in this material world. Eventually, the home that you grew up in, it's no more. Strange, isn't it? Some of us are a lot older. We go back and I remember the home my parents rented and it's still there. But we're not there. All of it is a distant memory. It was sad, but you move on, right? You perhaps end up with your own family someday and and then they grow up and your home is changed again. This year is my last Christmas with all my four daughters because my oldest was engaged yesterday. It's sad, but we move on. And then all along the way, we... They've had family and friends of yesteryear that they're not with us any longer in this world. This is all a part of the perishing of the outer man. It is God's way of strengthening our inner man while weaning us off the things of this world. It is his way of getting us to long for him and for our eternal home in the new heavens and in the new earth. This heavenly longing is God strengthening our inner man. And it is something that we must always be praying for as well. To have that inner man, that inner reality grow. That this world is indeed not our home. We're just passing through. This is, why put, this is what Paul prayed for, at the saints, for the saints at Ephesus. When he said in Ephesians 3.16, listen to what he prays for. That God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit, in the inner man, that by faith you would see glory. You would ponder the things above where Christ is. And that more and more of the things of this earth will indeed grow old in your heart. And the second reason as we move on, Paul could call his trials and bodily get the case such a light affliction was not only because the whole time the inner man is being renewed day by day, But brethren, because of in light of eternity and the brevity of life, all suffering is but a very brief moment. 
Did you see it in the text, verse 17? He says that for a light affliction, what is for a moment? He says in verse 18, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? They're temporary. You believe that this morning? Do you really believe it this morning? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point because in some ways I think it goes without saying, doesn't it? But it's in our text and it is something that we have to keep reminding ourselves of. All the sufferings of our life in this life, whether because of our faith in Christ or simply the trials of life itself, they are extremely temporary, brethren. Extremely. And they may not feel like it in the midst of the suffering, but the reality is they are just a small blip on the annals of history. Paul endured so many trials. We have read this morning of all that horrible stuff that Paul went through. (laughs) But what's he been doing for the last 2,000 years? He's been enjoying paradise in the presence of his Savior. He hasn't been struggling for a long time and will never struggle again. There are a lot of things that can really hurt us in this fallen world, not the least of which is indeed losing those whom we love particularly if they leave without knowing the Lord, perhaps the greatest pain of the Christian heart. But that pain, that hole that they leave in our hearts, it's oh so temporary. The scriptures are very clear, brethren, aren't they? Life is very brief. James 4.14, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Psalm 103, verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. That's you. That's you. And that's me. Brethren, God would have us see that our burdens are light afflictions because they are only for a moment. They are temporary. Now again, brethren, we need balance in our understanding. We don't want to live under another heresy, which we would call fatalism. Why care about anything? What's going to be is going to be eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That's not in the Bible. God has given us richly all things to enjoy. We ought to seek to live long. We ought to seek to have our own families and enjoy the rich blessings that God gives us in this temporal life. Indeed, God gives them to us that we might offer him thanks and praise for them because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in which and whom there is no turning. And as we'll see in our next point, brethren, everything that we do in this short span of life which we have on this side of eternity, everything we do has eternal consequences in the new heavens and the new earth. You need to keep that in mind as you work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. But as we grow older and the afflictions mount upon us, be they inward or outward, remember they're all light in a light of eternity. All that the devil, all that the world and our decaying bodies can ever throw at us, brethren, is but a drop of time in the ocean of eternal glory, which is yours to come. You have to preach that to yourself over and over, and you'll need to do it much more the older you get. But now there is a third reason Paul would have us to count our afflictions and our outward decay as light afflictions. 
Because indeed, living for Christ now is rewarded with and in glory. Verse 17, notice he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our trials and tribulations, brethren, they're not just useless experiences. None of them are. They're not just useless things that get trashed into the bin of forgetfulness. No, God is doing something with each and every one of them. Indeed, we're told in Romans 8, 28, that they're all working something, aren't they? And all that they are working is for our good. And no small amount of good, but a great and glorious good. Our English word for hyperbole is in this text, and it's used two times in that one little phrase, a far more exceeding. And so by doing this, Paul is saying, as the New American Standard states it, says it, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Paul's got nothing to compare it to. There's no way to overstate or to exaggerate too far, brethren, the vast difference between our light afflictions now and the glory they will produce later. They're doing something. God's using them. They're not useless. The pain of a death of a loved one is not wasted. The sorrows of a decaying body can be used even into that end. He will reward it all throughout all eternity. Nothing is wasted, brethren, if it is done or if it is endured for the sake of Christ. Everything. In his Sermon on the Mountain, chapter 5, Matthew The Lord said, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for what? Great, great is your reward in heaven. Brethren, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but even the normal trials of life, if we deal with them with a Christ-like spirit, with humility, and endure our trials under the submission of his will, he will reward it with glory throughout all eternity. James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. The same word for trials. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Remember our, word, our Lord's words in Matthew 10. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of the disciples... Assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Every time, by faith, we love our enemies. Every time we turn the other cheek and we give to those who ask us, God remembers. When you give your resources to the kingdom of God and no one knows but him how generous you've been, he remembers. When you had to make tough decisions as a Christian, Because the word said to do it. And your family didn't like it and your friends didn't like it, but you did it because you knew you had to do it because God said to do it. God remembers. When you didn't feel like it, but you helped that dear suffering saint because it was the right thing to do, God remembers it. And it will have eternal repercussions throughout all of eternity. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now, none of these things, brethren, will count towards our justification. 
None of these things will get you into heaven and none of these things will help you stay there. The atonement of Christ and the imputed righteousness of Christ are the only grounds of our being made right with God. But wonder of wonders, God in sheer grace and mercy will reward throughout all eternity all that you did as his servant during your brief days here in this fallen world. But here, brethren, we need to be careful. We need to be careful to remember, although the Lord will reward all of our afflictions in this life, if endured as unto him, even our physical infirmities, yet he will not reward the afflictions that we bring upon ourselves through our own sin and rebellion. Peter was clear about this. First Peter 4, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Indeed, brethren, this is how to make everything count in this life. Everything you do, to do it as Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that whether you eat or whether you drink or whatsoever you do, you do it to the glory of God and not for yourself. You walk like he walked. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's your pattern. There's your calling as a Christian. Not to always be taking and taking, but like our Savior, always giving and giving. People will say, well, I, don't, I didn't get much out of that church down there. Well, you didn't go down there to get so much as you do get fed, but you're to go down there to give, to give worship and praise and service to God's people. Whether it is serving or doing good unto others. As doing them unto the Lord, our suffering, even in our bodies, and doing it in humility, not always grumbling and complaining, not always, woe is me, but doing it by faith, even that is turned into an eternal weight of glory. You hear some of the testimonies of those saints of old who were just reeked in their bodies with pain and Yet, and I've owned many of them through the years as a pastor, never complained all the way through their last breath in this world, looking to Christ. That works eternal weight of glory, brethren. What an awesome God we serve who eternally blesses everything we do if we do it for his glory. All the trials, even our bodily decay, they're nothing but light afflictions when we realize that all that's done unto the Lord is working for us a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. This is why Paul said in Romans 8, 18, for I consider the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What that glory looks like will be on you. It will be on all of us as Christians on what we did in the time with the time we had left in this light and brief world in which we live. So how can we consider our trials and our body perishing light afflictions? Again, by remembering that God is going to continue to renew the inner man while we're waiting. By remembering how brief it all is. By remembering that even our light afflictions are going to turn out unimaginable glory throughout all eternity. But now comes the question, how can we keep remembering these things day unto day? How can we do this? 
Well, verse 18, I believe, tells us, and that is that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. It says again in verse 18, we do not look at the things which are seen. The things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Brother, there is only one way that I know of that we look at the things which are not seen. And that is walking every day, every hour of our lives by faith. This is why and why Paul sets this text up in the previous verses. Back in verse 13, notice what he says. Since we have the spirit according to what is written, I believed. And therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Knowing, for, knowing there, he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound. To, there it is again, to the glory of God. We believe Jesus was raised up. We believe because we are in Christ, God will raise us up on the last day. We believe all things are for our sakes, for Christ's bride, for the church, all of human history, all that God is doing throughout all eternity, not eternity, but in this life, is for his people. The devils and the ungodly, they're going to glorify his justice. But what he's doing and what he is doing now and will do to the end of time is for his church. It's not for the glory of what the devil is doing or fallen man. It's to show that God is going to manifest his great grace through his elect. Through you who follow him by faith day unto day. It is only by the grace of God that any of us can look at our temporary sufferings and call them light afflictions. It is only by the grace of God that our service to him is rewarded for all eternity. It is all of grace. And the Lord gives us this grace that we might live with hearts filled with thanksgiving unto him. It's all covered. God's done everything already for you. And the only means, though, by which we can ever live this way is to walk by faith and not by sight. And this is one of the ways you know you're walking by faith versus walking by sight. Where is your main focus? Is it on what is seen? What's going on in Israel? What's going on in other places of the world? What's going on in your home? Or is your main focus on what is not seen? I'm not discounting the importance of what is seen. Paul is not doing that. The temporal things to which Paul is referring, however, here, I believe consists in the idols of this world, living as if this world is primary and eternity is somehow secondary. And we're so prone to doing that, aren't we, brethren? Living, as the psalmist says, if our houses are going to live forever, you know, going back to the old home place, and that's where me and my brothers and sisters played, and, and, and it's no more. Living as our houses will live forever is a phrase which thinks, make you think that it's always going to be this way. And none of it is, is it? Those of us who are older, we know this. You may be privileged to live in the same home until you're 30 and then move next door and raise your own family. So you're always on the same land. But that too will change one day. But here again, brethren, we don't want to live with a fatalistic attitude. But walking by faith means the things of the earth are always secondary to the things of eternity. And the things of this material world, especially the pleasures and temptations, they're all passing away. 
The only way you and I will ever see our trials and bodily weaknesses as light afflictions is if by faith we are constantly seeking to lay hold of that which is eternal and to not continually be consumed over and over again by that thing or those things which are always so temporary. Paul summarizes it in his letter to the Colossians. In chapter 3, if then you were raised with Christ, what does he say? Seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Brethren, generally speaking, if we're are ever weighted down by stress and trials and afflictions and indeed many of you, some of you may be that way here this morning. And they start to make you feel that they're more than you can bear. It just may be that you have started walking by sight again and not by faith. You see, faith looks past the afflictions and sees the inner man being renewed day by day. Faith sees all the pains of this life as but a moment and temporary thing. Faith sees that nothing is lost in our suffering if we suffer in everything as unto the Lord. Brethren, this is how Paul was able to count all his afflictions light. And it will have to be the same way with us. We don't get a different plan. But it really require that we believe these things. And brethren, we will know if we're truly believing them or not. So when the trials come and our bodies begin to start fading fast, but you're still okay. You are, you are more than okay. You're rejoicing in the pain, what Paul did. Because then grace was manifested in his life and that brought glory to God. Your eyes are upon the one to whom you go and whom you will be revealed with in glory. And brethren, remember, walking by faith is simply coming to God's word day by day, believing, trusting, and obeying, doing what it says, no matter what the world is saying, and brethren, no matter what you feel. You don't obey based on what you feel. You believe it says it, and you give yourself to it because Christ died for you, gave himself for you. And then he says, go, be my disciple. How do we look the things that are not seen? By walking according to God's word. No matter what, no matter what. You want to walk by faith. You want to be able to overcome your light afflictions and call, think of them as light afflictions and feel that they are light afflictions. Take out your Bible, walk daily by what it says and trust it. Do what it says because God said to do it. And watch the trials, the afflictions start lifting. They will not change, perhaps, in and of themselves. But how you deal with them will change. So, brethren, what sort of applications ought we to take from Paul's words here today? Well, first of all, I want to speak to the youth among us in here today. That means you who are very young, who can understand everything I'm saying up here. To everyone who else believes they still have a long life in front of them. And it looks like out here to me, it's a whole bunch of you. I would say to you, be careful how you think about all these weighty things I've preached to you today. On one hand, 
Enjoy the blessing that God gives you in this life. Take each stage of life and make it a cause of thanksgiving to God. And be thankful for your parents for the time that you have with them in the home when you were young. Don't rush your, well, your parents might want to rush, but you don't need to rush when you're underage, I'm saying. You who are teenagers now, be thankful for this stage in your life to God. You who are young adults, be thankful to God. You who are married and have young families, be thankful for what God has done to this point in your life. Don't get so overly fixated on the fact that you are an, a man or a woman who the body is going to decay. So fixated that you're going to be unable to thank God for the earthly blessings. And I say this as one who has a problem with that. I have thought much about death long before I ever became a Christian. I was 26 when I was converted. In all those earlier years, I would think we're all going to die. Everything I see around me is everybody's dying. My cousin died when I was 18. The best friend died when I was 18. My dad dies when I'm 19. And then it's like, what is all this? What's it? What's, what's, that's why people a lot of times will commit suicide. What's, what's worth it? We all die in the end anyway. And don't get fixated on those things. Be thankful for what God has done in your life as a one who is young. But here's the application for you. Little by little, you will learn, if you have not already, that lack of sorrows and healthy bodies will not always be your lot in life. It will not. The passage before you is God's way of helping you to not be caught off guard when those days come. This text is as much for the youth as it is for the old. It is his gracious way of teaching you early on that no matter when or how great the sorrows or your bodily afflictions may be, you know now, compared to what Paul teaches us here today, that they will, when they come, be light afflictions. This will only be true to you who come to Christ for salvation, whether you're young or old. The ultimate reason for all of our suffering in every one of our lives in here today is because of sin. If there were no sin, there'd be no death and no suffering. We'd already be in glory. We'd be back in the garden. But sin did come. And it is the reason for the sufferings and the sorrows in which we have. The effects of which continue throughout our time and stay here and will continue until the, Jesus makes us, gives us the new heavens and the new earth. And that will not be your lot if, unless you turn to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Unless you bow your heart, your knees, as it were, to your need of Christ. Because he, the reason why these fiction, afflictions are ultimately light is because Christ bore the ones that would have condemned us forever. You imagine, you take the worst sorrow you've ever experienced in your life. You take the deepest valley, the hardest pain, and you think that, and you take that with you throughout all eternity. And it's going to be even worse then if you end up in hell. You don't know pain. You don't know suffering until you end up there without Christ. That's why the gospel is preached in the churches every week. Light afflictions now that you have, they're going to be horrible and eternal unless you come to Christ. He alone has borne those sorrows for his people. 
You read this text in your church, I hear recently. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The only, the hell that would have been ours was laid upon him. The suffering of eternal agony and fire, which Jesus preached, was laid upon him so that you wouldn't have to bear it. That, brethren, is what makes our light afflictions in this life as Christians light because Christ has borne the ultimate sorrows. And we would invite anyone in here today, if you've not trusted Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you need to today. He tells you, come unto me and I will no wise cast you out. You've heard in the psalm earlier, his grace and loving kindness endures forever. It is even for you this day. So come. Some of you young people, you've not converted, you've not come to Christ yet. I don't know who you are. But every day you wait, you display another callus upon your heart and it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder and harder for you to come in here every Sunday. So I don't like that kind of preaching. But now is the day of salvation. Come while you are invited to come. Because it's Temporary. Life is quick. Now, my second and last application, I've saved for us older brethren. Those among us who know the Lord. And this is as much as I say to me as anyone in here. The longer we live, even though we know that these things are ultimately light afflictions, it is easy to get discouraged in this evil day. It really is. Particularly what we see what's going on in the world at the remaining struggle with sin. You know, you think when you begin a Christian for 25, 30 years, it gets a little easier. No. Sorry to bust that bubble. It doesn't. Hopefully you learn some things. Hopefully you grow in grace. But they're just different struggles for which you will need the Holy Spirit and faith to overcome. But we realize the remaining struggle of our bodies Whatever you feel like today, some of you who are older and maybe you're sitting there, you're aching and you're taking some medicine for something and it may get better in the short term, but eventually it's going to catch up with us all. And so in the midst of it all, you might start wishing the Lord just come back. You might just start wishing, Lord, carry me home early because I'm just getting a little weary of it all, you know. Don't let the devil leads you down such an inward path of looking inwardly at your, your afflictions. You may not be able to do what you once did, but remember if God rewards a cup of cold water given in his name, certainly he will reward your prayers that you have shown others and prayed for others and loved on others while you can. You can do that no matter where you are. Remember, it's all for a moment. Your suffering is temporary, but your service to Christ pays eternal dividends. I have been in nursing home ministry, convalescent home ministry, ever since I was a Christian. I've always had one. And ever since I've been a pastor, once a month somewhere, I'm going to find one to go to and minister. And it's, a, it's an amazing place to go minister, really, because sometimes they aren't listening to you. They're asleep. But those people are suffering. And of all the people on the earth, their time is shorter than all the rest. 
But even there, I thought, Lord, what would I do if I ended up here one day myself? I've known those who had no family come visit them. Who day by day just sat in a chair by themselves, looking and staring off at the wall. So, Lord, what would I do if that was me someday? Should I just give up? No. If you ever even end up in that way, you can offer up prayers to the, to the peop, for the people of God. Pray for your church. Pray for someone. And that will continue to work eternal dividends for glory. You see, brethren, our resurrection is secure. Our rewards are certain. Just don't stop walking. Don't stop serving the Lord by faith, no matter what, no matter how lonely you get, no matter how painful things get in this life. Never stop serving the Lord. Never. I close with this text from 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 48. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, we already have the victory. Which is why Paul closed that chapter or that section out with this one last verse. Therefore... My beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain. It's not, no matter how old you get, no matter how difficult the days get, our work for the Lord, no matter how small or large it might be, it is never in vain. And everything we suffer in this life, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, they are all but light afflictions. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you. What a great mercy and grace that you give us as your children. That you would call us out of our spiritual darkness and you would raise us to spiritual life. And that you would give us the high and lofty privilege to continue in the sufferings of our Savior. And though they do not justify and they do not save, Lord, they do conform us to his image. Lord, help us to receive the stripes on our backs, whatever they might be. Help us to know that not one can touch us apart from your divine decree. Lord God, we pray that you will bless these dear people here. And you would give them understanding of the text today. And you would give them hope. You would give them the measure of faith to keep pressing on. That you would give the youth, Lord, faith to trust you, to give thanks for the things they have, and, Lord, to believe these things later in life. We commit it all to you and pray that it would bring much glory to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.